Hello team and welcome back to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. This is episode 29. This time we sit down with Abby Lucia, an ex-bodybuilder, stroke fitness model, stroke bikini model. And we go in in this episode, we talk from all things from the impact that competing had on her mental health, the eating disorders that she developed, the impact to her body um, of doing six-month preps, uh, it was a really insightful conversation for me. Um, we dove into the steroid usage and world that is often unspoken about in the bodybuilding sort of uh, area and stage. And it was a really, uh, really good discussion. I hope you guys get a lot from it. If you know anyone who's thinking about competing um, and you know wants to get an insider info to, to what can actually go through especially for a female please share this podcast with them because there's lots of learnings to take away um i took a lot away from this podcast so i hope you do too in other news head over to our instagram page iamchasing.com that's me your host or direct to the to the chasing discomfort podcast on instagram as well um, leave us some feedback i'd really really like it if you can head over to the apple and leave us a five star review and some feedback on there also and if there's someone that you know who you think would like this content please share it with them please repost it to your instagram stories um, send it to your friends via whatsapp what, whatever you can do to help grow this podcast it is um independently run by me through the the love of trying to speak to um good guests to get in front of us so we can all listen and get some uh, learnings and growth mindset from other people's shared experiences so look thanks for coming back i hope you enjoy this episode leave us some feedback until next time keep chasing much love good night god bless abby lucia buongiorno hello buongiorno welcome to the chasing discomfort podcast super stoked to have you here and looking forward to diving into this conversation but before we do, as we ask all our guests, what does it mean to you to chase discomfort and why? Chasing discomfort as an adult, let's go there, as an adult is something for me, me personally, is that what we're asking? Yep. For me personally is putting myself in a position where I'm vulnerable. Vulnerability for me personally is something that scares me. Um, I'm a person that lives in my safe place. So chasing a discomfort for me is actually, it's almost a better way of bettering myself because I'm going to put myself where I'm not comfortable, which is so not my natural reaction. So that's definitely mine. Give me an example, please. Well, the reason we're here today, bodybuilding, stepping on stage, putting myself in a position where I'm going to be critiqued by people, I think... Speaking from women on the whole, we're all very conscious of what we look like. We've all kind of got an element of that. Um, so, yeah, bodybuilding, getting in a bikini and standing in front of like hundreds of people. That's definitely a way to chase your discomfort. <laughs> and, and before the competing, um, like just even, say, working out in the gym, did you feel pressure to look a certain way? Yes, I felt it my whole life. I've been brought up. This is no disrespect to my mum. My mum's the most amazing woman to walk this planet, but I've been brought up around eating habits and being aware of always being very thin, being slim. It's always been a thing in my whole across my whole family. Um, so, yeah, it's always kind of been there, definitely, without doubt. What sort of, I'm going to test your memory here, but what sort of age 
do you sort of recall those types of conversations or even just feeling conscious about food and 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 maybe looking a certain sort of way maybe 15 16 Mm -hmm. maybe um yeah i say maybe 15 16 where i was starting to be aware and like oh i shouldn't eat that um so yeah quite early on okay well look while we're talking about your childhood let's dive into your journey so if you can give us like a a little rundown of who abby lucia is and, and how we got to today Okay. I'll hand, I'll hand that intro over to you. Wow. Okay. Abby Lucia was born and bred in Billericay in Essex, a tiny little town that everyone may know. Um, I went to a Roman Catholic primary school. So I was I definitely lived in a very sheltered little uh, bubble when I was growing up for sure. Um, and then went to the big old world of just your average Billericay school. Um, I had a good group of friends. I was never in trouble, really, but, yeah, I lived a really good childhood, really happy, healthy childhood. Um, Never really had any interest in any sort of sport. I never had a hobby, ever. Um, My hobbies were just being with friends or going to the cinema, as it were, when you used to put it on your CV when you were, like, 16, (laughs) trying to get a job at New Look, which I got, might I add. Um, (laughs) Congratulations. Literally, but I I never had a hobby, um so yeah fast forward I've done uni I've lived in Liverpool um lived in Newcastle when I went to uni I did a law degree didn't complete it became a barber here we are um (laughs) um, so yeah that's a little bit about me but yeah the gym then came into my life probably when I was let's say 20 so we're saying 10 years now 10 years ago I found the gym, um, which literally, I found the gym because for me growing up, the I constantly had that either eat or starve, eat or starve. That was me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would starve Monday to Friday, literally eating like a crumpet a day. And I used to be like, yeah, oh my God, we're so skinny. Got to the weekend and obviously binged. Um so yeah, then I started the gym and I finally had a hobby at the age of 20. And then, yeah, went forward with that. Um, got married in the meantime, done that too. I became a dog mum, that's pretty cool too <laughs> as well. Love being a dog mum. <laughs> um, but yeah, my life is very, very simple. I do have a very simple standard life, mm-hmm. but an amazing one at that. That simplicity, if you had to rein that back or is that just always you found sort of um like your groove by not overwhelming or overloading your stuff with with uh, i think going back to you know it's really funny because i had a counseling session this morning because it's okay to have counseling literally just this morning and it was about how i'm i stick in my comfort zone and how I struggled to go out of it because my mum did everything in my life and she protected me and every problem I ever had, my mum solved that for me. Um, So it's about kind of coming out of that mindset, even at the age of 30, and I still struggle to take on life because I'm like, mum, what do you think about this? Like, So honestly, just this morning that came out. um, So yeah, really interesting actually, yeah. Do you think that's linked in with a fear of failure? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a fear of failure. And I think 
I my trigger my trigger word is safety. If I don't feel safe, that's when I'm like panic, 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 can't cope. Mm-hmm. Um and shut off. Like if you can't see me, I can't see you. Like that type of mentality. Um so yeah, no, definitely, one hundred percent. It's a subject I love and um I'm gonna do a little deep dive. So hopefully you won't be asleep by the time I finish. <laughs> But it's, if you think about like the environment that we live in now, it's massively changed from 200,000 years ago. Um, but the human body hasn't. Like we're still fearful of that we might be attacked by a predator. Um, you know, our, our world's changed. We're not hunted by saber-toothed tigers no more. We have an abundance of food where you can walk into, uh, you know, a supermarket on the corner of any street, get a calorific um, thing. We don't have to run, hunt. Um, you know, our life has become overly comfortable. We live in air-conditioned cars, houses, abundance of clothes, layers. You know, everything's nice, comfortable. And don't get me wrong, like, I love my creature comforts. I realised um, in the Welsh mountains how much I actually love my creature comforts. <laughs> you know, a cup of tea whenever you want and all that sort of stuff. Um, but we still have that raging fear inside us that if we can if we can let it overwhelm us and, and bubble up what, what, you know, over the fear bubble, um, you can beat yourself before you even try. And um, I was listening to a, this is going to highlight how boring I am, but a Shaolin monk um, last night who's, who's from the Shaolin uh, monastery in Europe. And he was basically saying like, why people fear about getting in, involved in a car crash tomorrow. And to someone that can be like a very, real fear you know and, and have like anxiety panic attacks now almost to the point that their life renders sort of on hold because they can't get over that fault um but he you know the whole ethos of just living in the now now if you think about the four-year-old in his batman t-shirt he is batman and nothing else matters um and if you're able to adopt that sort of mindset where you know you are whatever it is you throw yourself in head first without the fear of failure um but looking that eventually you know if you're not failing you're not trying hard enough mm. and and you to succeed you have to fail because you never know where you're going wrong so people look at it as like hurdles or roadblocks you know where do i go now i can't i can't go any further but you have to make these sort of dynamic assessments and decisions so next time you're like well all right, I fucked up there last time, but I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to choose this path. And it's all, you know, it's all part of the journey. It's all part of the process. Mm. Um, mm. You still awake? I'm still here. I'm still <laughs> listening. <intense. Yes. laughs> so this rewind it back to the gym days, because that's this is what prompted uh, and stoked this conversation for us to have this episode. So most people might call it bodybuilding. There's probably a, a group of people that would call it bikini fitness, fitness modeling, call it what you want to call it. Mm. But ultimately, you went through um, training phases, nutrition cycling, ultimately to stand on a stage and be judged for your physique. And you was competing against other females in your group. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately, how long did you do that for? I competed for about three years. Right. Okay. And so you found the gym when you was 20. Can you remember when you first started your first competition? Um, I think I was about three, let's say, 
I was probably about three, four years in. Okay. I started competing. And how did that transition go? So from just like a, a gym goer to, you know, making that move to a competitive bodybuilder? I started the gym because I was going on holiday to Ibiza and I wanted to look fit for the gym. So I actually got a coach. Um, it's brilliant. Like she told me what I had to eat. It was my best introduction to starting in the gym. She told me my training plan. I trained with her every week. It was a girl, which was great as well. Um, and I trained in like a um, proper bodybuilder's gym. It wasn't like a kind of more mainstream gym. Mm -hmm. um, so I got a taste for it there as well. But my coach competed herself. Okay. Um, so I went through her prep with her. Um, and I always was like, wow, to be able to do that. She became the girl that I looked at every picture and was like, that's what I want to look like. Mm -hmm. I want to be lean and have ripped abs and everything like that. That's what I want. Um, I had a boyfriend at the time who categorically, N-O, that was not happening. I was never going to be doing that, et cetera, et cetera. I'll let you paint your own picture of that one. <laughs> um, and then when we broke up, then I was like putting my middle finger up at the world and I was going to say, I'm going to do this. And I did. And I literally went by myself and just, yeah. My journey, con I would say my journey continued because the eating habits started to change, obviously, once I had my coach. But then you become regimented and set that like, that's what I have to, That it was like my introduction mm -hmm. to then doing your show prep where obviously life completely changes. So talk us through a, like a prep. So for just explain it. Um, to me, like I'm an alien who's just landed out of space and hasn't got a clue what bodybuilding or fitness modelling is and, and prep is. So uh, competition prep is basically roughly around 23 weeks worth of seven days a week, 24 hours a day, consciously knowing what you're eating to the gram, um, what you're training, how you're training, uh, your cardio regime. You're going to the gym twice a day, every day, um, because you, even though you might not train on every day, you're doing cardio every single day. Um, how much water you're drinking, how much sleep you're getting, every single thing that you do in your life is tracked. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, you've got to work in between all of it as well. So, because not all of us are millionaires and have the luxury to do it all as a job, because that would be a bit different. But mm. It's every single aspect of your life taken over. Check-ins every week, obviously your weight taken every week. Um, yeah, so. Give me an example of, of um, sort of what a, a day in a life of food-wise would look like. Um, I will go probably to my closest prep that I can remember. Um, I would have had, um, this is towards the end, so obviously your food will start higher. Mm -hmm. And as your weight drops, your food will progressively drop with you. Um, and that's when your, not only will your food drop, but your cardio normally increases. This is on an average. So obviously every person is different. Sure. Um, but in my prep, I was having a protein shake in the morning, one scoop of 10 grams of peanut butter. And I was so obsessed that with eating that I used to put my peanut butter in an egg cup so I could eat something and actually chew, so to speak. And then obviously my protein shake. And then I would have chicken and veg for my lunch and then I would have a bowl of cocoa pops uh, with whey for my pre-workout um, 
and then I would have oats with whey as my post-workout and then salmon and veg for my dinner. That was it for the whole prep. That prep I actually did for 26 weeks. Wow. Not a single cheat meal. Not one. Six months of that. Seven days a week. Six months I'll never get back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, solid. And talk me through some of the emotions of just purely in that way for six months. I'm imagining it's very up and down. Honestly, like, you do not... the Bodybuilders will say to you, you have to go... When you prep, you have to go to a really dark place. And it's so true. Like, there is a point in your brain that, that you have to... You have to get past the, I can't do this. You have to ignore that. And emotionally, you cannot give yourself the support to get through life. You have, you're running on empty to, to the point where you need to keep every energy for your cardio session, for your gym session. That That's all you've got. Um, so you have no emotion. Like, you are literally numb to anything like nothing it's hard you Mm. there is no emotion to even explain apart from sad i don't think when i see people prep now i look at them and i think you must be your i know what position you're in i know that dark place that you've got to and you must be really sad you don't see it at that point like Mm. you see how emotionally drained you become just like you don't see how lean you are, but there's nothing of you. You're like, I'm still fat. You're clearly not. But it's only to, when you look back that you think, oh my God, like, I thought I was fat. Like, Christ, like, if I knew me now, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overweight by any means, but my person then would have looked at me and probably thought I was fat now. So, mm. do you, yeah. you, would you consider that like a form of body dysmorphia? 100 million percent. And I still live with it today. Right. Without doubt. Just, just describe to our listeners then when you mean you still live to it today. So what, what are like the emotions or thoughts that you have in relation to that? The problem when you compete is that you become physically, and I mean to the eye, not on the inside, because when I say like your fittest version on the inside, you are the most unfit person in the room. That you've got no fitness, like you're so unhealthy having to got like get yourself to that position it's so unhealthy um but then when you not like now i've looked i remember and i can see i've got pictures of myself being my smallest leanest state ever and although i know that was unhealthy anything above that isn't fat but it's fatter mm-hmm. than that. so i'm always in a competition with myself or what I was then so being like an average person whatever you would consider that to be to me that's so far from where I was like being having an achievable look to me I don't know what that is I don't understand what that is because I achieved what is almost impossible so what is achievable to me and it's like you know you know do you is six is a six pack reasonable to have all year round well, to me, it was mm. at one point six months. I solidly had them, so it's just really hard. And you look at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, "I know, I know." I'm getting to a point now. The more I kind of step away from 
the intensity of it. I'm getting to a point now where I know when I'm looking at myself and I'm not seeing what's really there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, every single day, every single day. In, in your own admission, you said that, you know, you had sort of um, food related issues before you started um, this journey into the bodybuilding fitness world. Mm. Would you say that, that this sort of prepping and, and way of eating, did that exacerbate and, and fuel those thoughts and, and worse you go into prep but well i started the gym with one form of eating disorder and i've walked out with multiple more the the second you start prep for a show kiss goodbye to life ever being normal again like i was talking my husband competes as well or competed as well and we were talking about it today with another boy who's a bit of a gym goer and Life, once you compete and once you stick to regimented food, it's so hard to ever rewind back to being the person who has cereal for breakfast, a sandwich and a chocolate bar for lunch and spaghetti bolognese for dinner. Like that, that's not how I know to live life anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is a form of eating disorder. I've accepted that. I know that's what it is. It's hard. It's hard. But yeah. One eating disorder to another, but this one I eat a little bit more, so it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. And can you just sort of um, describe some of the low points for us? So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, well, actually, this started different. What kept you going through those really dark stages? Was it the competitive nature, knowing that eventually you'll be on stage and you'll be judged by these people that don't know you or your journey and just purely looking at, like, muscle mass, you know, uh, leanness of, of your body. What was the driver for you? What was your why? I think for the watching, the watching week by week, it just falling off. Mm-hmm. My coach, my second time round coach, he was my God. Like I put everything into this guy. I trusted every single word that came out of his mouth, that he was my keeper. Mm. It, as silly as that sounds, but he became my keeper. Um, and obviously him, I wanted, I never wanted to let him down. I always, I wanted to win for him as well as myself. Um, and I guess him being supportive and motivational, you almost like where you've got nothing, you've got no emotion to give yourself that well done champ. You're like, oh, yes, I've done something good. And you'd get something good from that, that yes, I've done that was a drive as well. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to picture you sort of, um, you know, like backstage with all the other girls on competition day. Mm. What, what was the, um, what was the like environment and, and the attitude there towards one another? Was it, was it friendly? Was it like a community or was there? Indeed, for me, my personal experience, it depended what federation you did. Mm-hmm. So I, my first ever show was WBFF. The politics to do WBFF are a little bit the whole competing realm is full of politics like any aspect of life there's politics involved to whichever way um but the first show i did yeah wbff was brilliant it was really good fun but backstage it was a bit more of like a fashion show kind of glam um like bikini with most sparkles and all of that like it was really good fun backstage for that um 
like us girls that had done our posing classes so you have to go to your own posing clo- like classes pre-show mm-hmm. so we'd kind of made a bond so then that was really fun backstage um then i did uk bff i did three uk bff shows and it changed it all became a little bit more serious they were all fighting for their pro card um so that's your um ifbb pro card what it was at the time it's not anymore um so yeah that it changed it wasn't fun backstage anymore because it was more cutthroat um then i moved on to do pca which was good that was good fun backstage everyone was kind of a little bit more free um and then i did a two bro show which was the serious of the serious and i hated every single second of being back i wanted to leave i literally was like i've done all this but i'd rather just go home um because it wasn't what, fun. what was that it was too serious the fun was gone there mm-hmm. wasn't but although you, you compete because you do it for yourself to a degree there was literally you will I would look at a girl and be like, oh my God, look at her. She's fucking unbelievable. Like, wow. Then there was this one girl and I remember following her journey on Instagram, knowing she was doing my show. And I, she honestly was absolutely phenomenal. She's now gone up a couple of classes. Like, she's unreal. And I remember seeing her on the day like, wow, like she's so cool. But no one would ever go and say that to anyone. Mm. Like, that wouldn't be said. Unless you knew each other. Yeah. Like, so and I'm I'm a bit of a loner when it comes to things like that. If you talk to me, I can chat for England, but I'm a bit nervous. I've got to wait for you to come over before I'm like, yeah, okay, they want to chat to me, and then I'm gone. I'm fine. Mm. But yeah, it, it it backstage, everyone is at the very pinnacle of life. Like you're at the edge. Like you've got you're you're depleted so badly from obviously your water loading, your how much water you're drinking, how much salt you have on that day. Like it it's intense. There's a lot that goes on backstage. Is like your coach should be with you, um, and they're watching you, and they're literally having a, a a session with you. I guess every hour or so, just to check how your body's reacting and how if you need to add this in, I need you to quickly have a tablespoon of a jam or something so it's you're very in the game like there's no letting go you don't just sit back and go wait for my number to be called out like Mm. there's so much process that goes on backstage most certainly at uk bff and at two bros most certainly so how would you coaches sort of judge that would they get you to pose yes and then then decide if you like so when you talk about you know having a spoonful of jam would that be because the carbohydrates to try and get the muscles fuller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And yeah. then, how would you manipulate the water and salt? Is that, is that to just sort of look as lean as possible, almost like a dehydrated? Literally, but also as well. So each federation, which is the whole thing with the subjective sport thing, each federation wants you to look slightly different. So. Some want you to be a little bit softer. Some want you to be a little bit leaner um, as a whole. And then obviously you've got to then be subjective to each judge sat down there because what might be lean to me might not be lean to you. Um, so, yeah, that, it all depends because they might want to soften you out. You might have dried out too much from the night before and they need to start pumping and getting some water out. So it's all different. It's all And you yourself can't judge that because you've got dysmorphia. I don't know what I look like. To me, I was fat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm. you 
your your life is in your coach's hands. And what sort of body fat levels would you did you get down to when you was at your leanest? Oh my god, I literally I'm five two and I got down to forty seven kilos. Wow. So that I think that's like seven stone something. Like yeah. I was so small. I don't know my exact body fat, but like it's honestly it's sad to think how skinny and tiny I was. And is there sort of categories, is there weight classes that you compete in? So with girls, um, I'm not too sure about boys, but I know with girls you've got bikini, which is like not the bottom line, but like the the petite, like there's more more petite girls. Mm-hmm. Um they've added a new class which is wellness, which is the like bigger legged girls. Mm-hmm. Um and then you move up to figure, um, and then women's physique. Um so obviously you're just progressively getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And bodybuilding and, and fitness modelling is always going to have this question mark dangling over it from, you know, either the, the naive or novice viewer mm. or, you know, people that have been in the industry. And they will just, you know, the throwaway comment will be, well, they're just on steroids or they're taking some form of, like, performance-enhancing drug. What's, what's your experience with that, um, you know, with that sort of use within that world? I think if you want to be successful, you've got no other choice. If you look at people on stage now, the, like you can see the. If you're at a natural bodybuilding show, then obviously like it's cool, but majority aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, like the one, not the not the good ones, of course, but like the ones to become IFBB pro, which is where you go to the Olympia, which is you know Arnold Schwarzenegger land. Yeah. Um, you're gonna notice that there is no point. You would they would spot out a mile, a mm. mile away to see the person that was natural and that wasn't. It's just the next, the next level up. And unfortunately, it's getting the classes are the boys and girls are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, meaning the steroid juice is going to get higher and higher and higher because if you you're in it, you might as well keep going. And when you get to that point, you'll do anything it takes. Mm. So, are the other like contestants tested? Some federations they do, um, mm-hmm. but that would be on more than natural, feder- like the natural ones. Yeah. But no, the rest of them absolutely not. Coaches, mm-hmm. but coaches can put competitors to within an inch of their death. Wow. Um, to get them to look how they need to, I know a few stories from people that they've almost literally died backstage. And a question in my mind, which is what I now see, is what the hell for? Hmm. What on earth for? Um, so, yeah. Is that because they were sort of so malnutritioned and, and just in such a... Yeah, you know... your, body, your body gives up. Hmm. Like, as a woman, I lost my my first time, my first set of shows, I lost my period for three months. My second stint, I lost it for nine. And that basically is because your body has is, rest- is reserving every inch of energy because it hasn't got enough to get by in life. Mm. And if you think about it, it's like my body got so small that I resorted back to being the body of a child that I lost my period. Wow. That cannot be okay. Yeah. That, you know, I 
I don't have children of my own, so I don't know, but I don't know what that could have done for my future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a risk. And I, again, my question, what for? Mm-hmm. Like, what did I do that for? So, although I learned so, when you prep for a show, you learn so much about yourself, about your person, because you are the only person that understands you. Nobody can understand what you're going through. Even someone that's prepped before, they don't know how you're feeling right now, like where your head is, because not even you know. Mm. And you, the, your coach can tell you what to eat, when to eat, how to train, what to train. The only person that can get you on that stage and look the way you look is you. And if you can hold your hand and get yourself up there, you've you've learned so much about yourself and you've pushed yourself through so many avenues and you've held your hands through so many obstacles to get there so although everything i'm saying is is quite negative the pos- the person i am today is because of that journey that i went on i'm a stronger person today because of my journey <laughs> what's your biggest takeaway from, you know, like you say, the, the journey of all the competitions and the preps, what's the one sort of resounding um, life lesson that you'll take away from all this? That body image isn't all it's cracked up to me. There's more to life. I lost, I never went on to out with any of my friends. You couldn't drink. I couldn't go for a Nando's. Things you take for granted. I couldn't even let myself go to the cinema because I couldn't have temptation of popcorn or sweets or whatever around me. My routine was literally up. At one point, I was doing 55-0 minutes cardio every day before work. I'd obviously finish work, go to the gym, train for an hour, another 20 minutes cardio, come home, eat, go to bed. Like every single day. Mm. I would sleep because I was like, I can't eat anything. The best thing to do is sleep and then I won't I won't feel it, right? Yeah. So I lost so much. I lost so much and time is so precious. I blinked and I'm 30 and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I did like it. <laughs> so yeah, life is precious. If there was someone listening to this conversation now and they had a deep desire to to get into this game or or at least try it, what would be your brutally honest advice to that person? Be careful. Be careful. Get yourself a coach that you 100% trust. Post-show coaching is something that is neglected. Because getting to show is something that, that's almost the easy part. The day after show, when your show is done, you now think, well, now what do I do? I've had a cheat meal last night. I feel fat. What do I do? My coach, does he, my coach, is my coach even there anymore? Do I message them? What do I do? Like that emptiness the day after is like it's like a, the, the day of depression it's awful you feel lost like you've got no purpose you've got no goal you've got no that you, you've got nothing to live for um hence why i ended up doing so many shows because i'd rolled into a prep just to give myself purpose um so yeah sorry back to your question i digress um just be careful get yourself a coach that you trust to look after you and just make sure that you're doing it for all the right reasons Definitely. Yeah, great advice. I want to go back to the um, 
the the whole sort of steroid PED sort of use thing because um, it, it is something that is always dangles over this type of competition or competing and, and, and sport-based stuff with the bodybuilding and, and the muscles. Mm. It feels like from an outsider looking in that it's like this unspoken world. Yep. You know, was there ever, did you ever witness anything backstage or with other athletes or, you know, is, is it discussed with coaches? You know, do you want to, do you not want to? This is how you beat a test. This is the cycle. You know, talk, just sort of, we'll do a little deep dive into that part. It's definitely every client is asked. Mm -hmm. I, what are you happy in every when you start a prep with a coach there's always a question on a questionnaire that says are you happy to 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 like go through that are you happy to take steroids mm -hmm. not in so many words it's written a little posher than how i just said <laughs> but yeah are you willing to um yeah. just straight away there's then your coach will always tell you same as the food tell you what to take when to take what time mm -hmm. Whether you're putting it in your shoulder or your ass, like, I mean, me myself personally, I've never ever injected any steroid, mm -hmm. um, but obviously, I've got a husband who used to compete, so I'm close enough to it. <laughs> so, so if you don't mind me asking, then what what was the sort of stuff that you was taking? So, um, clenbuterol, which is a fat burner, um, Anovar was another one, which is actually a form of steroid, um, mm -hmm. and. That also is a fat burner, but it basically just helps to lean you out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think that was it. Just the two. And do you think that increased when we talk about the almost like the holiday blues of, of competing? Mm. You know, once once you was done, that next day, um, I'm assuming that the the sort of usage is cycled off. Yeah. Well. My prop, my prop, when I my last shows that I did this with, this is my coach that I said to you, I put my life in his hands. Mm -hmm. The day after show, because I didn't get, I didn't place, my his hands were basically dropped of me. Um, my heart was literally broken. Like so, no, this is why I say like you need to have someone who you know is going to hold your hand from start, because finish is not show day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, um, so I just basically stopped everything. Um, my mind was all tablet form, so, you know, it kind of feels as a woman less invasive. The worst thing is, is that my coach started putting posts and saying that bikini girls shouldn't take any sort of assistance, however you want to put it, but there was me on it. Um, so then that begs the question, was I ever good enough? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just mixed messages across the board. It's a, it's a fascinating industry. Um... Like it, it really intrigues me, um, yeah. and obviously you you've been in the middle of it, and mm. like you said, there was there was definitely positives that you've taken away, um, you know, and and areas that you know you you probably like to quickly forget. Mm -hmm. so if you could re rewind the clock, would you? What would you do differently? It's, that is a really hard question. Would you think you'd go in back as, as sort of as, as much as you went? I think I I feel like I would have still put myself through a show, but I say that purely because I'm a very insecure, timid person 
who never really believed in myself, never thought I was good enough. Like I said before, never had a hobby, never really had anything that was my own. Mm. And this was something that I had that was completely my own. And because of what I learned about myself, I wish I had done my first show, which was WBFF, where my look was healthy and I didn't lose my period. I still had I still had curves. I was still a bit soft, um, completely natural at this point, but where it was healthy. Mm-hmm. I wish I had stopped the, uh, the that after that show. I, that's where I wish I'd just drawn the line. I'd I came third, drawn the line, and then that was that. Yeah. But, the, the the poses intrigued me as well. Like, and when you said about certain federations are looking for certain body types, mm-hmm. is, is, do you guys get given like a guideline? Um, there is. So each federation wants your um, posing to be slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to a posing coach who actually, well, two different ones actually taught me different type, like different styles of posing for different federations. Um, but yeah, the first lot, like my WBFF show was very um, kind of sexy, like showcasing yourself, doing your poses, but kind of like with your hand in your hair, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could kind of make it a bit of your own. You still had to make sure you did your front, your side, your back, all of that. But you could kind of have a little bit more sass to it. Um, whereas UKBFF, Two Bros, um, was a lot more regimented, very set you weren't to really change that they would direct you how to pose when you're on when when you're kind of on the lineup they would ask you in which pose they wanted you in um so yeah that that was a lot more regimented but again and more serious it was a different uh, the fun was gone at that stage it was completely gone and i'm making an assumption here but i'm i hope i've sort of got this right but with certain sort of poses pre Pre that pose, would you be backstage, sort of warming up or, yeah. or filling that muscle with blood with certain exercises? And yeah, you would be doing your routine like ninety-seven times over. Wow. Yeah, like going over and over and over, and making sure that someone was there to watch you to go through it and through it and through it and through it. Because mm. how... with your with your training every night, you're also doing posing practice for half an hour every night. Like intense, man. <laughs> Total training time per day, I get it would be different at different stages, but at its max, what you said, 55 minutes of cardio in the morning, and mm-hmm. then you go back and train. Yeah. How long would that training session be? An hour minimum. And then, and then more cardio after that? Yeah, about 15, 20 minutes after. So we're looking at about two and a half hours and then 30 minutes posing? Mm-hmm. About three hours a day? Every day. Every day. And working a job in between. And was was there was there no rest? Like would you not build in a rest day or it, it, it would be a rest day, but it would be an active rest day. So you're still doing your cardio. Okay. You still do your fifty minutes cardio every morning. And what, what was that cardio? Uh, I had I was lucky, I actually bought a stepper machine, like a proper mm-hmm. life fitness machine. Um, that I had in my house. Um, so that was my cardio of the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of an evening, it would be like the Stairmaster or the Cross Trainer or something like that. Um, but yeah, I was that was a saving grace for me. So to have to get up to drive to a gym, mm-hmm. hence why I bought it. Um, 
it saved a whole heap load for me. Mm. And the the judging I, I want to talk about because I want to the two sides to it really. So obviously you're you're going on to stage probably emotionally drained, mm-hmm. uh, nutritionally drained. Yeah. <laughs> in, in like a state where you're probably like a fag paper away from passing out. Uh-huh. Um, Correct. <laughs> like you say, your life's in your hands as a coach. And ultimately, all this work, all this prep, all this dedication, all this effort is down to how many people are on a panel? Is it like multiple judges, one judge? Four. Four judges. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of, like you said about the political part, you know, for example, um, would there be sponsored athletes yep. from certain companies or gyms or coaches that would have, you know, a little bit more favouritism towards them? Can one you talk to me about that sort of area? My coach was um, a judge on one of my shows. He still marked me down. <laughs> he still marked me down. But, yeah, my coach was one of the judges. Right. Um, Coaches and judges as well. Um, and then one of the shows, it's kind of like the owners and then pros of the of the federation. They mm-hmm. normally got the top dogs um, to come and judge it as well. Yeah. They've kind of got everyone from, they've got people from different areas to kind of be a little bit more across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's on average about four. But then how can I, how can you say what, if somebody is, is you know, their niche is the bigger guys, the bigger girls, are they going to be really, really on the ball to one of the really tiny girls? Because they might naturally expect them to be a little bit bigger because they're so used to being part of the bigger the bigger world, you know. Um, like there's nothing, there's no, there's no tick box to say what's right and what's wrong. It's completely on their own minds, whatever they think. Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting, mm. really interesting stuff. Um, this this so what does fitness look for like for you at the moment then like. You know, so how how far are you post from competitions? When was your last comp? Um, three, four years ago. Okay. Um, I think around about four years ago. Um, I actually have had a coach. I will admit, for since the day I started my training, however many years ago that was, mm-hmm. I only, although being different coaches, I only stopped having a coach about three months ago, which was a really big turning point for me. Um, it was something that I knew that I had to start learning. So basically, that means I'm meal prepping every day, one cheat meal a week, every day. Um, I had to take a massive step back and realise there is, like I all keep saying, what for? There is more to this. There is yeah. more to life. Like I'm married, I've got a stepkid, I've got a dog, and I can't eat with them because I've got to check in on Saturday. What am I checking in for? I haven't even got a holiday I'm going on. What am I doing this for? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I've I had to take a step back with that massively. And it's been hard. It has been really hard. Um, but I've got a lot of knowledge from what I've done. And I do still, I am still a Tupperware wanker. I do still eat my food out of Tupperware and I eat the same thing majority days. But I'm a li- learning to be a little bit more lenient with what I eat at, at night time. 
Mm-hmm. By dinner, I'm starting to kind of be a little bit more flexible. My husband loves to cook and I can never enjoy that because I'm always eating my same old bland dinner. Mm. Um, so it's nice now that I'm starting to adapt to living a little bit more of a normal life. And how's that journey going for you? Has that been hard to accept at first and is it getting any better? It's definitely getting better. And I noticed that my body dysmorphia is definitely getting better because as much as your your coach every week is still judging you, every week you've got to send your weight in. And, you know, if it doesn't go down, well, what did you do wrong? Mm. I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't weigh my, I haven't weighed myself in months, so I don't know what I weigh. Um, and that's really good for me. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been it's been good for my body dysmorphia. Definitely stepping away, um, and it's it's progressively getting easier. Progressively, yeah. Oh great, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't when you when you're talking about you know eating from Tupperware and being super strict and not having a cheat meal and weighing to every gram. You know, it really strikes a chord with me because um not not because i've ever been competing but purely more from like a performance point of view you know like mm-hmm. i'm always chasing am i running optimally you know yeah. uh, and um you know a lot of it's guesswork you know i'm not doing blood tests every month mm-hmm. uh, or every week i'm not tracking how i actually perform, like results coming out from the inside i mm-hmm. do it a lot off, off of feel and you're always chasing feeling good so you know whether that's jumping in an ice bath or doing the Wim Hof breathing or going out for a run shirtless or smashing myself in some sort of crazy ass workout where I'm just left beaten feeling like my lungs are going to jump out my rib cage to the point that or I'm stretching you know doing some sort of yoga or yin stretch like long holds like I'm, I'm constantly chasing this feeling Mm. And that feeling, I'm a foodie. Like, I could be a fat motherfucker. (laughs) Shadow of a doubt. Like, I could sit and lay on a sofa and watch Netflix and just binge and binge and binge and binge. But I I beat myself up hard because I know that, like, I get a hangover now. with. with Oh, my God, the hangover after a cheat meal is so real. And you've got, like, swollen face, water retention city. Oh, (laughs) awful. (laughs) It's, it's like people will laugh at this but like i've done 45 days plus of carnivore a few years back so just nothing but meat organs and i, I broke it with a tub of hagen and i felt like i'd been punched in the back of the head for a, for about two days because just the shock to my body with all the sugar it, it just didn't didn't know what was going on and um it's you know life is all about balance but yeah. when you're my wife says when your head's up your own ass I, I tried to describe it slightly more polite than that but when you're in the zone and you've got a goal and you're driving towards that whatever that goal might be um for me i'm, I'm all in mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to do something 70 percent, 80 percent. if i'm doing if i'm doing it i'm 110 percent all in yeah, um, to the point that it does become obsessive, and I do fret about the smallest of margins and fractions. And yeah. in in reality, you know, I'm not a paid pro athlete as much as I'd, I'd like to think I am, or I'd love to be. Yeah, um, you know, I have to check in with myself 
um, and give myself a bit of a reality check to say that that Mars bar ain't going to kill you. Absolutely. And especially if you're, if you're doing something, you know, like super hard or ridiculous where your body just needs the calories to burn. Um, so it's been, it's been great to talk to you because again, it struck some calls within me that uh, I know that I'm still having, having issues addressing with. And there'll be people listening to this um, that subconsciously, you know, again, might have struck a call in regards to body dysmorphia, you know, calorie counting, um, mm. trying to look a certain way, uh, steroid use. Now, all, all the different subjects that we touched on. And if someone has maybe not admitted to themselves that they've got this problem or they're going through this sort of journey themselves because they're so blinkered and blinded by it, you know, focusing on their goal or their target, you know, mm. whether it is to look good in a bikini in Ibiza or whether it is because you're going on stage in three months' time or, you know, whether you're competing at your first CrossFit competition or, or what, whatever it might be, what would be your advice to those guys sort of going through that, that mental battle? Um, that I promise you that more people than you probably realise are going through exactly the same thing. That we as humans, us gym goers, the people that look the best in that gym are the people who have got the biggest issues. Because they, when you're like, oh, can't be arse tonight, I might sit and watch a film and eat chocolate bar instead. They can't do that. So therefore, they're their mentality is way way past all of that. So when you think that, when I think, you know, it's just me, there is people out there that are ripped to shit and they, have, they are what I was and I know that they're feeling it too. Like, if you're honest and open about that with people, mm-hmm. you would be so surprised how many people would go, mate, me too. Like, without doubt. Yeah. And you, you think it's good to sort of spark that conversation then? One million percent. Because it allows you to, it allows it to be okay. When you, once you accept that it's okay, I'm looking at myself a little bit wrong. You're not beating yourself up for it. And you therefore, they will then try and find, you're looking at yourself wrong. But am I looking at myself you're allowing you allow yourself to then spark that conversation with yourself mm-hmm. who the body dysmorphia is actually happening with yeah because cheryl said that she had it as well i'm actually i don't think i look that bad maybe that is that body dysmorphia that i was talking about with her the other day mm-hmm. you allow and open that conversation with your own being so yeah i think it's so important and if there i would It'd be so surprised if majority of people that go to a gym didn't have it because that's why they're in there. That is why they're there. Do you think it's because we're constantly comparing ourselves to unrealistic sort of targets or, or images? You know, for example, the guy who's the Hollywood actor who's, you know, been got a chef, got a PT, got a nutrition coach, maybe on some sort of uh, enhancement, um, or, or you know that 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 bikini shot of that girl who you know she might only look like that for three four days of the year, but it's that, and I'm not just calling that Instagram here, but it's the one that springs to mind, especially in the fitness world because 
Instagram seems to be the the favoured sort of choice of social media for your fitness guys. You know, do you think there needs to be some sort of accountership or accountability from those guys to say that this is this is the reality? You know, rather than this highlight reel or you know almost like the pressure behind someone who's a sponsored athlete or has X amount of followers, you know, has to promote this lifestyle of this this image that they've built up. Do you think, is there, well, firstly, is there anyone out there that is putting out real stuff and being open and honest with, you know, how, how the game is and what effects it can have on hormones, mental health, etc.? There is one lady that I know of that has definitely promoted how dark it got for her. Mm-hmm. Mm, definitely. And she's actually got her own page now, Um for help like a community so to speak for helping you know people who competed and you know how ill they got etc but I do firmly believe that I know I do it now and I look at girls on my Instagram like I have got the perfect Instagram for a guy like it's just naked woman after naked woman like honestly and I'm comparing myself 24-7, probably not without even realising at some points. Mm. One nice thing is that I think across Instagram, Instagram's my platform, so that's where that's why I'm using them as an example. I can't really speak for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, people have now kind of started to be a little bit more open about angles and about filters and all stuff like that. Um, you can filter videos now, I've seen, which is just horrendous. Um, but then I also look at it and I think that's a that's an insecurity on that person. Mm. That person doesn't think their life is good enough. Yeah. Why they're faking it. Yeah. That's really sad. That's really, really sad. Mm. But yeah, it's got massive influence on people. Massive, massive influence. There's a, it's a fantastic saying that I've quoted a few times before on this podcast, but comparison is the fee for joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all have uh, a responsibility to be able to promote honest uh, and upfront content, um, you know, for people that have got a following or an audience, um, you know, to be a little bit more real with one another. Because, yeah, yeah, like there's there's been a movement with fitness, which is great. You know, if it inspires someone to get off the couch and go for a run around the block or join the gym, all that stuff's amazing. But Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, there is that line that can be crossed, you know, where it becomes a healthy habit becomes unhealthy. Yeah. You know, probably more with, with the mental side of things and and, and the eating disorders. Um, You know, I always say that I beat myself up for an hour each day. And that's like my, it switches my monkey brain off. Mm-hmm. Like when my brain's tick, 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 ticking about all the things that I'm, I've got to do or need to do. It's the only one time that I sort of go into the zone and I don't think. Yeah. My sole focus is just to train. Um, mm. That's why I, I love my fitness because it gives me that switch off and that zone out time. 100%. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, good concept actually and something that I've been trying to do myself um, put honest material out there Um, but from someone yourself to be so upfront and honest with me in this conversation it's it's brilliant Um, I I had it when it was me that that's my thing 
as soon as you asked me to do this, it was such a thing for me because I I didn't have anyone talking to me in the way that I'm talking today. Mm-hmm. I had no warning. I had no no idea what was going to come until it slapped me in the face. And by which point it was too late. I was too far in. And I'm not going to listen to my mum saying, what are you doing, Ab? I'm not going to listen to my friends who have never stepped foot in a gym in their life. That you don't know what I'm feeling. You don't know what, you don't know this. You don't understand what I'm going through. It was too late. So I hope that it does just, it, when you see them girls on stage and them boys on stage and they're like holding their own and they've got their sass and they're doing their thing, well done to them. So proud of you. But just know that that was not fucking easy getting there. Mm. Like it's not just a let's go to the gym and train with our friends and have fun. Like, if that's what you think it's going to be, you're in for a rude awakening. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a complete lifestyle, isn't it? Like you said, it affects, probably, you know, we talked about earlier that the time you spent training and posing might be three hours a day. Mm. But actually, with the exception of you sleeping, probably every waking minute uh, or even second would be, um, you know, the meal prepping, eating, waiting, calorie counting tracking you know it'll almost be like a, a, a encompass your whole world where everything you do is is it going to have an impact or yep. on your on your comp day yep so it's a it's a fantastic insight abby and i'm, I'm you know really appreciate uh, the lengths of honesty that you've gone into with that because i know uh, you know from the the limited knowledge i have about that industry and speaking with people um, in the past it's sort of not clouded in secrecy but there's a lot of unspoken subjects and topics that you've discussed on today so um no it's been it's been really good to to have this conversation hey it's been lovely to chat it's been nice to get it do you know what's something that you don't often get off your chest mm-hmm. it always comes like a little hidden thing so actually talk, i feel like i've had a little mini counseling session <laughs> Like I've got it all back out again and you and just talking about it out loud again. It makes me really proud of how far I've come. Mm. It actually, yeah. I, re- I really hope that you take the time to reflect that, you know, like what you say, what you've done was part of your journey. You, you've learned so much from it. Mm. Like you, you know, the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Amen. And, you know, you're still here today. You've got two arms, two legs, you're still breathing. Yeah. Um, and you're, you know, to talk how you are now, you know, you never would have been able to do that without that journey that you've gone through. And I really hope that anyone listening to this um, is inspired to reach out, even to a friend, just to be more honest with a conversation. Um, you know, do you think about this, or what do you, you know, do you do you have this ritual or habit with food, and just just start that openness about it, or where it's not. You know, well, look at Dave down the gym. He's he's ripped to shreds. He must be, you know, drinking fifteen protein shakes a day, and you know all the sorts of stuff that we, the 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 mental games that we play with that comparison. Um, and you know, ultimately, if we can just do you versus you, and become that one percent better every day, then we're moving in the right direction and a healthy direction as well. Absolutely. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now seems like a perfect time for us to dive into our quick fireish questions. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so what's the best advice you've ever been given? That you are always your own best friend. 
like live by that every day because honestly it's just you against you like mm. don't you can hold your own hand mate you've you've cracked it so yeah love yourself and embrace your uniqueness right absolutely i'm pretty unique <laughs> well we all are right there's eight billion people in this world you know we we sort of stereotype and put people in these pigeonholes and i know i do it to myself now i'm 40 years young it's going to say old then but um you know like every day is a is a is a school day you know growth mindset we keep learning absolutely what's the one non-negotiable rule that you live by a healthy relationship with myself. Love it. Love it. Favourite quote? You miss every shot you don't take. Yeah, I've heard that. Who is that? Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> wow. It Mind gets drop. me every time. Yeah. Who, who said that? To me, my boss at my barbershop. Right, okay. Yeah, so I've only heard... learned that one fairly recently, so I've only been there since May. And mm. honestly, mind blown. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dream car. Mercedes G wagon all day. <laughs> <laughs> I could just picture you with the window down, bumping. Absolute G, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, two dinner guests you'd invite, either dead or alive. My nan and granddad. Definitely. Beautiful answer. Lovely. Ring walk or hype song. So it, mine would 100% be, because I've always said a song where you do your bodybuilding routine to be, to everyone to be like, woo, would be Little Wayne, a Millie. The beat and the bass line on that. Oh, yeah, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, book you've read more than once and why? can't say I've ever read a book more than once, so I'm not really sure I can answer this one. <laughs> Shall we switch it up then and say favourite book? Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never watched one second of the film or even touched a book. That's I'm your not... homework for today. I mean, not today, don't start today. You need time for that, but <laughs> my my kids are five, so I'm I'm pretty sure there's time for them that they'll get into it. A little bit of time. Yeah, I'll go through it with them. Um favourite film? American Gangster, Denzel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Big, big film. What do you do when you start feeling down? Self care. Self care. Try and speak with myself one step at a time, one moment at a time. But self care. Even should be things like get my nails done. Mm -hmm. uh, silly things. Just find the things that make yourself feel. A yeah. Bit little things. Well. There's a little things mount to big things. Mm -hmm. What's your favourite method of recovery? Spending time with Aaron, my husband. Nice. Spirit animal? Um, so originally I said a sloth, but I'm <laughs> going to go a little bit different, a koala bear. Okay. quite quiet. So minus the quiet, I'd like <laughs> to think that I'm like them in the fact that they're friendly, down to earth, organised, determined, reliable, <laughs> caring and hardworking. <laughs> this feels like an extract from your CV. Yeah. Go to the cinema. Go to the cinema. And you're, you're allowed to <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, talking of food and stuff, actually, we skip one. What's your mantra when the going gets tough? Just keep pushing. Keep chasing. Just 
Just keep pushing. Yeah. Favourite treat? Donuts. Not <laughs> even a question. Sprinkled ones. Sprinkled donuts? Oh, yes. So yeah. is that, is that, that the ones with hundreds and thousands of them? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so emotive food, isn't it? Oh, my God, yeah. It's a dream. It's so emotive. And it, would it be like any particular brand, like Krispy Kreme or just... Donuts. Donuts. My favourite, that's in London. There's many stores across London. Should anyone ever feel, you know. <laughs> that's the best one. What's the shop called? Donut Time. Oh, okay, yeah, I've seen them. Seen them, yeah. <laughs> um, favourite place in the UK? Liverpool. Why? Um, I lived there with an ex-boyfriend for like three years. It's just so much fun. Everyone's so relaxed. Everyone's so laid back. It's just mm. the best. Top bucket list pick. So this could be something that you've either done or want to do. Go to an elephant sanctuary in Thailand. I haven't done that. That's what I want to do. I've um, I've actually been to one. Oh, you have. <laughs> and I've got to share this with you. This is well. Anyway, here we go. So they asked me to lay on the floor. Yeah. And I was going to get an elephant massage. So this, like, however many tons elephant was gonna put his foot on my chest and what I didn't realize why the guy was wrapping the towel around me because I was an Essex boy with me Ralph Lauren shorts <laughs> laying, laying on a muddy floor um that he stuck two bananas up my shorts I thought he was gonna say something else then it's <laughs> <laughs> right, not that type of party trust me I know I was in Thailand but um and yeah so the this elephant's foot is bouncing off my chest and for, you know, for quite a few seconds, you're thinking... Conditioning. Conditioning. Could end really bad. And then, yeah, right at the end, he sticks his trunk up my shorts and pulls these two bananas out. And you... Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yes, anyway. that's what I want to do so bad. <laughs> um, what's your favourite and least favourite exercise movements? Favourite is probably shoulder press because I'm quite strong. I'm 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 upper body dominant. I'm like I'm stronger up top than I am down below, mm -hmm. and my shoulders are quite dominant as well. And I enjoy training shoulders. So yeah, shoulder press is my favourite, my least favourite. And if anybody ever tells you otherwise, they're sick and twisted in the head. Is squatting? I cannot stand <laughs> squatting. It's awful. And I'm short, so I haven't got very low to go, but it's horrific. Yeah, awful. Awful. <laughs> Have you ever heard of a thruster? A thruster, no. So a thruster is like a front squat into a shoulder press. Oof. And it's a, it's a CrossFit movement and it's repetitive. So like a workout might be involved 50, 60, 70, 100 thrusters in a workout. And you've got to do it either four time or as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. I'd definitely give it a go. Yeah. In the discomfort. Go for it. Favourite sport? This is a hard one because, I, like I said, I never had a hobby and never had a sport. So my only sport I know is weightlifting. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be weightlifting. Cool. What advice would you give to a younger you? To always believe in you. Um, keep pushing because you've got this and I promise you we're going to be okay. Why do you think so many people struggle with self-belief and, and, you know, doubt themselves? What's, what's your thoughts and opinion on that? When you're younger, I think because you just don't, you don't know who you are. You walk into your 20s not knowing 
what career necessarily you're going to do, who you who you are as a person, um, your friendship circle. Like you're at such a transitional age. Walking into thirty, I know where I am. I know my friends are I know who I am as a person when you're younger you just don't quite know you think you know but you you're just not quite there your fundamentals aren't there yet they're coming yeah. that's when I say I promise you we're gonna be okay because the things that I worried that would never happen they do happen you just gotta give yourself that chance yeah uh, cracking answer future plans um, I plan on excelling massively in my barbering career because I love my job. My job is just amazing. So that's definitely one. Um, travel some more. Um, obviously, we lost a lot of time due to COVID. So cheers, COVID. Um, and perhaps, obviously, one day, maybe, give us a couple of years, there'll be little mini versions of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, where, where would the one place you'd like to go to visit that you've not been to travel was? I really want to do Dubai. I haven't, for some reason, I haven't done Dubai. Mm -hmm. um, we're hoping to do Jamaica at the end of the year, which I will just, I'm so here for. Um, but yeah, I've like, there's just, there's so much. I, I, listen, there's lots, there's so much I will never do. Yeah. I want to go to the Los Angeles Hills and pretend that I live there. <laughs> like, I'm, there's so much I want to do. Miami and train on the beach. Yes. Yeah. But, I've been to Muscle Beach in LA. That was. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> that was an interesting little day out. There's some, yes. There's some, would, how would we say? It? There's some unique characters around. Yeah, the I bet. <laughs> and uh, where can people find more out about you? Um, my main source, I guess, would be Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but if not, I'm always ready to speak. I will literally talk to anyone about anything to do with myself to do with them if anyone ever listening to this wants to ask me a question honestly my my arms are always open i'm more than happy to speak to you for hours on end if you need me to like to just come and speak to me in person so if someone wanted to reach out to you on instagram and ask you about a little bit of advice what, what where was your handle where would they hit you up on uh, it's at um abby a double b i underscore lucia l-u-c-i-a and honestly, any questions, I'm more than happy to delve further for you guys. Superb. And I can vouch from personal experience, this lady is a top barber. So shout out, shout out your barber shop for anyone um, listening. 88, love to create Rainy High Street. I will be happy to fulfil every hair need that you guys Excellent. may have. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Abby, I really appreciate your time and thanks for coming on. Uh, it's been great chatting to you. Thank you so much for having me. Great stuff.